Matthew 13, beginning in verse 47, please stand out of honor to God and his word. Jesus speaking says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. Thank you. You may be seated. We are talking about fishing today, and I like to do a little bit of fishing. Now, I haven't fished since I've been here in Maryland, actually, but I do like to do a little bit of fishing. Something I've never done is ice fishing. I would love to go ice fishing. And I heard a story about a guy. He decides he wants to go ice fishing. So he goes uh, to this uh, he goes to this frozen area, and he, he, he drills a hole, and he starts trying to fish, and he hears this voice from above. It says, there's no fish in there. So then he moves to another spot, and he drills a hole. And he hears that voice again from above. There's no fish in there. So he moves to another spot and he drills a hole. And again, he hears this voice from above that says, there's no fish in there. So he finally looks up. He says, is that you, God? And the voice says, no, I'm the skating rink manager. (laughs) Let's look this morning at God's net. First of all, by way of introduction, we're looking at a parable here today. Now, a parable, one of the simplest definitions I've ever heard for a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so obviously Jesus is telling a story here about catching fish and a net and all of that, but there's really a deeper meaning to it. It's not just a story about fish and nets. It is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Now we believe the Bible is true. However, I already got an amen on that and here's a however. There is some fiction in the Bible. Every single parable is fiction. These are made-up stories. Jesus made these stories up. While they do contain truth, the stories themselves are fiction. So if anybody says, do you believe the Bible? You can say yes. And they say, do you believe every word of it that's absolutely true? You can say, well, there is some fiction. Every parable is fiction. It's a made-up story uh, that Jesus provided us. But the parables are the only fiction in the Bible. Now, I want us to look at something else, and that's the entire chapter 13, And I want us to look at the context of this particular parable about God's net. There's a parable of the sower we looked at last week where the farmer goes and he's casting out the seed and some lands on bad ground, some lands on good ground. Then there's a parable of the tares or weeds. Then there's a parable of the mustard seed. And then there's a parable of the leaven or yeast. There's a parable of the treasure in the field. And finally, the treasure of the the parable of the (laughs) pearl of great price. So this parable comes in the midst of all these other parables, the sower, the tares, the mustard seed, the leaven, the treasure, and the pearl. But let's look at this particular parable, and then we'll come back to the context later on. First of all, I want to look at making the catch. Making the catch. God's net covers the whole world, and it will catch all people of all times. I want you to notice from verse 48, it says there, the net was full. The net was full. Why was it full? Because it caught everybody from all time. And I want you to notice something else in verse 48. It says every kind. Every kind was in that net. Now, literally in the Greek, that word, that phrase, every kind, means all races. All races. So Jew and Gentile, and the Jews probably wouldn't want to hear about being judged, but Jew and Gentile, rich and poor, believers and unbelievers, Young and old, today we might say white and black. It doesn't matter. Every kind, it's literally all races, will be caught in God's net. 
it will cover the whole world and it will catch all people of all times. And I want you to know something about God's net. No one slips by and no one slips through his net. But here's the good news. While God's net is out to catch everybody, so is his message of salvation. Yes, the net is out and it's being drawn in, but so is his message of salvation. His message of salvation is going out through radio and TV and the Internet. It's going out through churches with preachers and teachers and evangelists. It's going out through faithful Christians like some of you, telling their friends, giving tracts to strangers, living out their faith. And by the way, I want you to know this is what a modern fisher of man is. One who tells his friends, one who gives out tracts, one who lives out his faith. This is a modern fisher of men. You remember what Jesus said in Matthew 4.19, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Well, they did it differently back then. They didn't have all the technology that we have today. We do the same message in a different way. And just as I said last week when it comes to the soil, we don't evaluate the soil ahead of time. We don't say, well, I don't think this is going to be good soil for this seed, and so we don't share with that person. Neither do we evaluate the catch ahead of time. Remember, God's He's got His net out. He's going to catch everybody. And so we don't evaluate the catch ahead of time. We share with everybody with whom God gives us opportunity. Now, when is God's net reeled in? He's got this net out there. When's it reeled in? Well, it's reeled in, first of all, at your death. The moment you die, well, for you, His net is reeled in. But it's also reeled in at his return to judge the earth. Look what Paul writes here in 2 Timothy 4.1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and at his kingdom. Either way, all people will be caught. So we see making the catch. Secondly, though, I want us to look at separating the catch. Separating the catch. Notice verse 49. Jesus says this happens at the end of the world. And he also says in that verse that the angels do the separating. Now understand this about these angels. They are acting on God's command, on God's authority. And they are carefully checking as they are, as they are separating the good and the bad. They are carefully checking. And by the way, I'm reading between the lines here. They are carefully checking the Lamb's book of life. Look what the Bible says here in Revelation 20:15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. The idea is that, so they're sorting out and they know what looks good and what looks bad, but they got to double check and make sure and look at the Lamb's book of life just to make sure that name didn't sneak in there somehow. And so these angels are carefully checking the Lamb's book of life. That's what they're doing. And notice, according to verse 46, the angels sit down. You notice that? It says they sat down and then they begin going through the fish. What does that mean? That means they're taking their time. They're taking their time. If they were standing up and maybe their legs got tired and say, oh, let's just get this over with. But they sit down. They're planning to spend some time making sure that this is done right. They're very thorough. They're not rushed. There are no mistakes. There are no injustices. Everyone is caught together in God's net. Everyone is caught together. If you look in verse 49, it says, from among. It says the, the righteous are brought out from among. That phrase literally in the Greek means out of the middle of. In other words, the 
the righteous and the unrighteous, the believers and the unbelievers, all caught together. And then from the middle of, the righteous are pulled out. I kind of think of the Marines. I don't know if we have any Marines here today. But one of their phrases, which this probably isn't good for church, but here's what they say. Kill everyone and let God sort them out. You ever seen that? Kill everyone and let God sort them out. Well, the same ideas of God's net. Catch them all and let the angels sort them out. And the righteous are brought out of the middle of, from among that net, full of believers and unbelievers together. So, we see making the catch. We see separating the catch. Thirdly, I want us to look at distributing the catch. It says there the righteous are put into vessels. These are the keepers. You know, whenever you go fishing... Uh, sometimes a fish is too small or it's not the thing that you were trying to catch and so uh, you throw it back. But the one that is big enough or the one that you like to eat, now that's a keeper. Well, the righteous are put into vessels. These are the keepers. The vessels in this parable obviously represent heaven. But perhaps they represent mansions. Look what Jesus said here in John 14 too. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And so the keepers are put into vessels and really Jesus is giving us the idea they're being put into the mansions of heaven to spend eternity. But notice what happens to the unrighteous, the bad fish, if you will. They're thrown out. Now, they're not thrown back into the water. You know, sometimes if you're fishing and you catch a fish you don't really want, you take it off the hook and you throw it back in the water. That's not what he says. These unrighteous, these bad fish are thrown into hell for eternal destruction. Verse 50. Jesus doesn't say hell. He says the furnace of fire. And the furnace of fire is directly connected to the lake of fire that we already looked at in Revelation 20.15. It says, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so in the parable, Jesus says it's a furnace of fire. John in the Revelation would say it's a lake of fire. And notice what else Jesus says happens once they're thrown into that fire. It says there is wailing and gnashing of teeth. The wailing is understandable. People suffering in hell, they're wailing. But what is the gnashing of teeth? Well, that refers to when your teeth are clenched. In other words, when you're in a lot of pain, you're in a lot of agony, and you clench your teeth. They would be grinding their teeth in agony, grinding their teeth in bitterness, grinding their teeth. With hatred. Why? Toward themselves. Toward the devil. And toward others who influence them away from God. I want you to hear John's description of hell from somewhere else. Also in the book of Revelation. Revelation 14, 11, Look what it says. And the smoke of their torment ascends up forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night. Now he says a lot in that one verse. First of all he says there's smoke. Well, we know where there's smoke, there's fire. And then he says there's torment. Now, that word stands alone, but in the Greek, that word literally means torture. So it's not just smoke, fire, it's torture. And then he says, and it lasts forever. Do you see that? Forever and ever. And then he kind of tacks this on to the end of that verse, and they have no rest day or night. And so they've got this smoke, this fire, they've got this torture and restlessness, and it never stops. 
It's not like it goes on for a while and they say, okay, take a break, you know, relax, and then we'll go back to it later. It's forever and ever and ever. Smoke, fire, restlessness, torture. This is what happens to the unrighteous. This is what happens to the bad fish. They are thrown into the furnace of fire, the lake of fire, and it's forever. So we've seen making the catch and separating the catch and distributing the catch. Lastly, I want to say, here's the catch. Look what Jesus asked in verse 51. He just tells these all these parables and he says, do you understand? Do you understand? Here's the catch. I've been talking here, but do you understand? Remember the context of this parable. According to Matthew, Jesus has just told six other parables. He told two parables about salvation, the pearl of great price and the treasure in the field. Then he told three parables about spiritual growth, the sower who sometimes those seeds produce 30, 60, 100 fold. He told the story about the mustard seed, that it's a tiny seed, but when you plant it, it grows into a tree and all the birds come and live in it. And then he told the story about leaven, just a little bit of yeast and how it goes through all the, all the dough. And then he's just told two parables about judgment. The weeds. And what he says is this guy, he planted a bunch of crops. And some enemy came in at night and planted a bunch of weeds in between. And so the servants say, well, do you want us to go and pull up all the weeds? And he says, no, let them all grow together and then we'll take them at once. Which is the same thing as this story about the net. Let's get them all together, catch them all together, good and bad, and then we'll sort them out. Jesus asked, do you understand? I ask you this morning, do you understand what I've just said? Do you understand? Do you understand what Jesus just said? Faith in Christ is the only way to escape God's judgment. Faith in Christ is the only way to escape God's judgment. You need to believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins, that Jesus was buried for your sins, and the third day He rose again from the dead. Do you understand this? Those of you that say, well, I know I probably do need to receive Christ as Savior, but I'm kind of busy right now. I've got some things going on. You don't understand. Faith in Christ is the only escape from God's judgment. Do you understand? There's no second chances. There's no bargaining with God. There's no purgatory where you kind of work your way out. Do you understand this? Just Thursday, I read an article in the Jerusalem Post. And it's written by a priest who insists that he went to hell after a heart attack. He ended up in hell. And what he said was, I would not wish hell on my worst enemy. Now, you've heard that from, well, from this pulpit. Uh, I've said that many times. Hell is a horrible place and you would not want your worst enemy to go there. Well, I agree with the priest on that. And then he goes on to say that he saw indescribable suffering. And it still bothers him today when he thinks about what he saw. And this is kind of funny. You remember that song from back in the 80s or 90s, Don't Worry, Be Happy? He said they play that in hell all the time. (laughs) But he said they don't play it by the original artist. There are demons that play this and sing this song, Don't Worry, Be Happy, and they're not very good, and the whole purpose of Don't Worry, Be Happy is to torture the people that are there. 
And then he went on to say he was mad at God because he had done so much good in life. But God told him the reason you're in hell is you have unforgiveness in your heart. Let me correct the priest right here. People don't go to hell because they're bad. People go to hell because they don't have Christ. There's a lot of good people, and I'm making air quotes, there's a lot of good people who are going to be in hell because they don't have Christ. You don't go to hell because you're bad. You go to hell because you don't have Christ. You've probably already figured it out, but I don't buy an ounce of this priest story for three reasons. Reason number one, his eschatology is wrong. But secondly, he said he doesn't deserve hell because he did good things in life. Well, here's a message I'd like to share with that priest. We all deserve hell. Every single person. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how religious you are. We all deserve hell. And as far as doing good things, Romans 3.12 says nobody does good. When compared to God, nobody does good. And here's my third criticism of this priest. He made no mention whatsoever of Jesus Christ as the Savior. How you avoid hell is through Jesus Christ. Not by being a good person, not by going to church, not by giving money. You need Jesus Christ. He didn't say anything about Christ. It was all about, oh, woe is me. I don't deserve to be here because I'm a good person. I did a lot of good things. Nobody's good. Everybody deserves hell. And it's only by God's grace that people don't go to hell. Let me tell you this. This could be your last opportunity. I mean, I know you guys hear me week after week after week, and I always talk about, have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you believe He died, was buried, and rose again from the dead for you? But this may be your last opportunity. Tomorrow may be too late. Back on September 30th, I had no idea that a tree was going to crush me and bring me within inches of my life. I didn't know that. Now, I was ready to die. I already had Christ as my Savior. So, had that tree finished me off, I'd be in glory. But I don't know that everybody in this room and everybody watching on the Internet could actually say that. And so I want you to know this may be your last opportunity. Tomorrow may be too late. You might be thinking, oh, I know I do need to receive Christ as Savior, but I'm busy right now and i got the kids and, you know, and uh, i got to work some things out and then, and then, and then I'll do it. This may be your last opportunity. Tomorrow may be too late. Let me quote Jesus again. Do you understand this? Do you understand this? This isn't something you put on the back burner. This isn't something you wait about. This is something you act on as soon as you know you need Christ. As an unbeliever, you are literally playing with fire. You remember how when Jesus separates, or excuse me, the angels separate, the good fish and the bad fish, good fish go, the good fish go in the vessels, the bad fish are burned up? If you've not yet received Christ as your Savior, you are literally playing with fire. Do you understand this? Do you understand this? Here's the advice I would give to you. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, you might be a good person. You might do good things. 
You might be a member of this church or some other church. Those are all, that's great. But here's what you need to do. You need to repent of your sins and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. And that's the best advice anybody could ever give you. Repent of your sins and receive Christ as Savior. Otherwise, you are playing with fire. And if your life ends today, you're going to hell. I don't, care how good you th- I don't care how good you think you are, how many good things you've done, without Christ, you're going to hell. But the good news is with Christ, you're going to heaven. God doesn't just say, okay, well, you're going to hell, and oh well. He has made a way available for us to spend eternity with Him in heaven. And heaven is perfect and glorious and golden streets, and you've heard all that, and it's all true. But there's only one way to get there. Repent of your sins and receive Christ as your Savior. Let me ask you again. Do you understand this? Do you understand this? You need to understand. Otherwise, it's hell to pay. And so today we looked at making the catch. God's got this net. goes out over the whole world and all time. And he catches everybody. Nobody slips by. Nobody slips through. And then we looked at separating the catch. It's at the end of the world. And the angels, you know, separate things. The righteous are put into vessels. That's a picture of heaven. The unrighteous are not just thrown back in the water. They're burned in the furnace of fire, which is the lake of fire where John described it for us as smoke, torture, restlessness, forever. Who would want that? No one. Do you understand this? And then here's the catch. Jesus ends after he tells this parable. He says, do you understand? He's talking to his disciples, but he's talking to us too. Do you understand this? I hope you do. I understood this back when I was seven years old. I invited Jesus Christ into my heart to be my Savior when I was seven. Now, have I lived a perfect life? No. Well, ask my mom. She'll tell you I was the perfect son. She will tell you that. Well, I didn't live a perfect life. But I had Jesus as my Savior. And from seven years old, I was already on my way to heaven. And it doesn't matter whether you're seven or seventy. Or 107. Today, now, you can be on your way to heaven. But not because you're good, and not because you do good things, but because God is good. And with Jesus as your Savior, you are set forever. In 2 Corinthians 6 2, the Apostle Paul writes, Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till next Sunday. Don't wait till next year. You're playing with fire. Receive Christ. Repent of your sins. Receive Christ as your Savior. Take care of this now. And you'll be set forever. And for those of us who are Christians, I told you I've been a believer since I'm seven years old. We need to share this message with others. I don't mean the message that I've shared with you. I mean just... People need to repent of their sins and receive Christ as Savior. This is the only way to go to heaven. The only way to avoid hell. That's it. Nothing else. 
And so today, if you have not yet received Christ as your Savior, do it now. Do it here. Nobody else can do it for you. I can't do it for you. That's on you. And Christian, believer, commit to the Lord Jesus Christ that you're going to tell others they need to repent of their sins and to receive Christ as their Savior. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this simple parable, but it's so packed full of spiritual truth. And Lord, we all understand now. As an unbeliever, they must repent of their sin and receive Christ. And as believers, we must share this message with the lost and dying world. In both cases, Lord, give grace. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you invite Jesus Christ...